Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Acts chapter 11 verse 1 says this, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man, men, and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told the whole story to his friends. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a, heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And then it was all pulled up into heaven again. Right then and there, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house, Peter said, where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered this, the man's house. He told us how he'd seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, he's talking about when he's in the house of Cornelius, that is. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. And praise God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's our time, church. It's our time. Today is what I'm calling Vision Sunday 2014. Um, I want to talk today just for a short time. Many of you know I've just recently come to take over the church. And one of the things I wanted to do is just share my heart as to some things I want to see us keep and maintain. And some of the things I want to challenge us with as we move forward uh, in the church, even just in this year. And the title of the message today is Seeing the Bigger Picture. Seeing the Bigger Picture. For many of us here, there's a few who have been attending the church for a long time maybe, you may think I've got it all worked out what church is, and I know what I want, I know what I'm comfortable with, and you created your own vision of the church. And today I just want to share with you what I believe King's Church represents and also what I believe that we should be doing as a church and some of the things that we should be doing even this year. We just read that scripture, first of all, in Acts 11 that talks actually about, probably in a different sense altogether, but talks about someone who received a vision in the Bible. But this was a supernatural vision. Peter received a vision and he describes in Acts 11 what we've just read. He's describing a story that actually happened in Acts 10. So if many of you know the story of Peter receiving the vision, if you read it, I didn't want to read it from Acts 10 because it's a long bit of scripture, a long story. In Acts 11 he briefs all of his friends and tells them what happened in Acts 10. But to put... This story, if you didn't grasp it before, to put in context what was happening. 
is Peter, that remember in the book of Acts, the early church, the church had just started, Jesus had died and gone to heaven, and the church was beginning. And Peter is in a place called Joppa, and he's having a rest on the top, the rooftop of this house, in Simon the Tanner's house, it says. And at the meantime, while this is happening, when he's laid sleeping on the top of this house, there's a man in Caesarea called Cornelius. And Cornelius is someone who represents the Italian regiment. And he is a, a, a man who loves God. He loves God with all his heart and he's a man who prays. And it says that both of them received these special supernatural uh, experiences that caused them to meet within days. And what happened, and I'm specifically focusing, I'm not going to focus on this scripture all the way through today, but I want to show you that what happens here is that Peter receives this vision, it says, that he's woke up and he sees that heaven opens up and three times God speaks to him, but this vision of a sheet comes out of heaven, it says. And he sees on this sheet lots of animals, reptiles and birds, it says, four-footed animals. And you think, oh, what? What does that mean? And Peter sees all these animals. And one, one thing we have to remember is that Peter came from a tradition of specific food traditions that held them back from eating certain foods, abstaining from certain foods. And what was happening in this picture, this vision, is that ultimately what God was trying to do was show Peter that there is a bigger picture to the church, to what he thought it was. Ultimately, what he was trying to say to him was that you haven't just got to reach the Jews, but you have to reach the Gentiles. This vision of all these animals on this sheet were to explain and to show Peter he was challenging him with something that he knew that he would struggle with. He was saying, you've... All your years you have followed the traditions, the Jewish traditions to abstain from certain foods and that was right at the time. But as we all know, when Jesus came, he came to abolish the law and he came to abolish the traditions of the day because Jesus made a new way and a new covenant. So what he was trying to do in this vision, God was trying to show Peter, you see this vision you see of all these things, uh, of, of what you would normally abstain from. Do you know that now it's changed? The picture is bigger. In fact, I want your message to reach the Gentiles. The message is for everyone. And he receives this vision, and it's amazing because he says in Acts 10, it says that, that God had to tell him three times. There's something funny about Peter. He seems to have to be spoke to three times. There's a lot of three times with Peter. Three times God has to say to him, get up and eat. The things that you used to do and abstain from, don't you know it's different now? I want you to see that you have to do, that the church is bigger. It's bigger than what you're containing it. And remember, Peter was with his fellow apostles, and they were all working to advance the church. This is the very early church. If you want to go back, this is the early church. I always encourage people to read Acts if you're saying, you know, what should church be like today? There were very, there were many traditions in the church in the old times that things have changed with cultures. However, in the early church, what we can see is that many great things happened. And what is happening here, God is saying, I, I, my son has just been with you. You've seen the gospel. You have a message to preach. You're going to see great things, but don't contain it to Jews. This has to go bigger. It's a much bigger thing. These people, the Gentiles, and including every one of us, you're saying, am I a Gentile? Yes, if you ain't a Jew, you're a Gentile. And what God was saying is, I want this message to reach to everyone, because it's going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. And Peter receives this vision to the way they should take the church. He wanted to expand their view. And one of the main things he wanted to do is take Peter from that comfort. See, Peter was comfortable with the Jews. He was comfortable with where the church could sit. His 
perception. But as soon as the church was to be reached and the message that Jesus had was to go above and beyond to every single living creature in the whole of this planet. He was like, whoa, this is far bigger than what I kind of wanted with the way we were containing it. Now, we've always preached to every creature. We've always spoke to every individual person and we welcome anyone who comes to preach the gospel. But I want to encourage you today and I want to suggest that sometimes we can, in vision, we can have our own comfort church. We can believe we have it all together. But God is saying to us, just like he says to Peter here, there's a bigger picture. And sometimes it's not going to be all that comfortable. And it's going to require some things that you don't necessarily feel you can do. That are challenging what your perception of the church to be. And I believe just in this scripture where I wanted to open up is that there is a key thing here that says God always has something bigger than what we have. And he wants to stretch us, stretch our perception and vision of what church is. See, when I took over the church, I said it many times here, I don't see this room as the end result of church full up with everyone on every seat. We'd like to get more seats in here. We'd like to fill up the capacity. But I want to see the church far bigger than four walls with a nice carpet. Even if you doubled the services, tripled the services and you got 600 people. Is that the end of the church? Is that where it finishes? The church is far bigger. We read in verse 11 of Acts chapter 11 earlier. It says the apostles and the believers throughout Judea. These are his friends, Peter's friends. Remember what happened here in Acts 11 is his friends are saying, we've heard you've been spreading the message, Peter, to the Gentiles. We've heard you've been sharing this message with the Gentile believers. The uncircumcised ones. Verse 11 says, when Peter um, went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, this is his friends, they criticized Peter. And they said to him, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with them. They couldn't understand. They, they hadn't caught on this vision. Remember, Peter received this supernatural vision. They questioned him saying, you want, you want to take this message further to Gentiles? It's just for Jews. You even ate with them in their house. They found it confusing. They didn't understand why God would do this. And they asked Peter to explain his actions. For chapter 11 of Acts says, Peter, the title is Peter explains his actions. For some of us here, many of you have seen on churches many times, posters outside saying messy church. It normally relates to the kids having a good time and messing the church up and doing paints and things. But I want to invite you to know that I believe God wants messy church generally. I don't think he wants it to be all perfect and When we have messy church, we have people coming in here with addictions, people coming in with problems, people coming here where they're sick and there's things to deal with. There is work to be done. And our idea of church should be that actually it's messy. I remember many years ago um, seeing something on on a DVD of a church that they, in their church, they didn't worry He says that the ministers look out and they didn't worry if anyone left their bags lying around. Because they trusted everyone in the room. But actually, we should be worried. We should be worried about our things not in a comfortable environment. But worried if people, not that we condemn anyone, but worried if someone's going to come in. I remember many years ago a man stole my friend's wallet. Who was in the church here. And he went away and... We never condemned him. We knew what he'd done. But he came in one day off the street. And he walked in as the man was speaking. And he said, I want to confess. I stole this man's wallet. This all happened on a Sunday morning in this church. We didn't condemn him. But these are the kind of things. You might say, oh, no, 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 no. no. We've, we've just got the carpets down. Everything's ready. And it's all nice. We don't want messy church. I believe that God wants messy church. If you disagree, then let's take that up after. But I think he does. We talked about it last week. That he wanted to go to the tax collector's house. The one who they didn't want to go to. They didn't want to spoil spoil the day. 
Jesus wants to shake things up. But it says this in verse 18. It says they had objections. It said Peter explained his actions to his friends in Acts 11. Explains um, why he's spoken to these Gentile believers. But what did we read? Right at the end of Acts chapter 11 verse 18. It says they had no further objections and praised God saying then even to the Gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life. The reason why in verse 18 that they changed their minds is because if you read in the first, in the previous few verses, just before that, they saw that the Holy Spirit had been at work. They realized that although Peter had said, I've been into these Gentiles' houses, I've been speaking to this guy called Cornelius who's not a Jew, and this happened and I spoke and the Holy Spirit spoke to him, cut him to his heart and he wanted to be saved. The reason why they changed their minds is not because of what Peter said, it's because the Holy Spirit was at work. And let me encourage you today if you're saying, well, I'm not catching your vision of messy church and catching your vision of going above and beyond the comfort zone. You may not catch it straight away, but let me tell you this, when you start to see the Holy Spirit in action and at work and blessing the things that we do, hopefully you will join in. You will say, yes, it's not because of what these ideas and another new idea you have. Actually, all the things I'm trying to suggest, and nothing's new. In fact, if we only did and operated the church that they did in Acts, whoa, we'd have a great time. I'm speaking to quite a few people at the moment and saying to them, you know, I believe that we should be seeing what we see in Acts. And some people look at me, gone out as though like, what you think? Yes. Do you? We should not be in it for any other reason than to see God doing exactly the same things. What kind of church do you want? So what is a vision? What's a vision for us? I put here a vision is a picture of a preferred future. It's a picture of a preferred future. Now I nearly put a picture of your preferred future. But then I changed the word preferred, uh, yours, to ah. Because, actually, I took that from someone else. Someone else said, the vision is a picture of your preferred future. I thought, no, that's wrong. Because not everyone catches it. Not everyone says, this is my vision. Some people don't believe that this is the vision. Vision is a picture of a preferred future. In in, In what we saw in Acts chapter 11, when God spoke to Peter, showed him this vision of the way the church should advance and move. Actually, Peter's vision was different. It wasn't his vision of the church. We can see, we've just read it, that it wasn't even the vision of his fellow apostles. And they had to change their mind to catch it. So what's your vision? What's your vision of the church's goal? Is your future here to have a place where you can just attend and be happy and come each week, be fed? Yes, you have to be fed. That's part of the church. The sheep are fed. But is your vision just end there? Does it say, I'm going to come and I'm just going to feed myself and then leave and be comfortable? You've got to ask yourself, is the church here to serve just you or are you here to serve the church? To serve its vision. The key, I think, and I want to encourage everyone today, the key, before I move on to the vision and everything, the key to a vision of success is this. Is to personalize it to you. The key to its success is to personalize it to you. Is not to look at it and say it's foreign to me this. It's not really, it's not really what I would have said. But the key is this. You will never find everything is perfect. The day you do, please tell me you found the perfect church because I want to go there. I'll attend. But the key is this. For you to personalize it to you. To make it, to look, identify a great big vision and say, do you know what? I can be part of it there. I can do this. I can feed into it there. You don't have to do everything. You can't do everything. So you have to identify the things that are useful for you, the way that you can feed in. Identify your place in the church, in the body. We, we hear it many times about the body being operative and if a, if an arm's not working, then the whole body's not functioning. 
Some of us here are not necessarily going to be the head or the face or the eye. But that doesn't matter. How many of you know if you've got a bad foot, you might have some great eyes, a great head and a great brain that is brainy. But if the foot ain't working, you're in bed and you can't move, it's dysfunctional. So the key is this, to personalize it to you. Firstly, it's important today that we understand what our church model is. But before we do that, I want to just look at the church model which Peter and these guys adhered to. The, the kind of things that they saw, the kind of description, if it were, of the church model of the early Acts church. We read just a minute ago of Acts 11 as God tries to expand their view. But let's just look at early on. In Acts 2, verse 42 to 47... This shows us the characteristics of the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders, sorry, wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. And possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And finally, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love this scripture. It identifies and shows us some of the characteristics of the early church. It shows us uh, some of the way that the Acts church was running. And this model for me, just this very basic structure works simply because of the very last line. That people were added daily. Not monthly, not yearly. Daily. That they did these things, these characteristics, and people were added to their number daily. Now, without being focused on large numbers, and some people say, I hear it, um, I, I like to be part of the small church because, you know, the pastor knows me, or some people know me, and I can talk to them, and I can chat to them after. That's great. But we have to remember again, what is the primary purpose for the church? And his purpose, God's purpose, is to reach people, to reach the lost. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about how good I can make it for myself. It's about the people that are lost. You've received the greatest gift that you'll ever receive in your life. Freely you've received, freely give. Not freely receive and enjoy it for the rest of your life. And I've got a ticket to heaven. The key is this, personalize it to you. Let's not be focused on big numbers. One of the things that I want to do is that as we go out, I keep saying it. Don't focus on whether people come back to the church or not. Do the work, love the people, speak to people, and God will send in the people. The key is this, the Bible says that God will build his church. Not you. It's not for you to drag someone in saying, please sit down, please stay Oh, he's gone. We're failing. God will build his church. All you've been called to do is not to build it, but to go and speak about his good news. To share his good news. To love people. If we do these things, do you know what I believe? That the same principle of in the money system of God's kingdom, he says, if you sow, you'll reap. It's the same thing. What we're starting to see is that as we're starting to sow into others' lives on the streets and into wherever, we're seeing God bless us in other ways. It's the principle of his kingdom, sowing and reaping. So we shouldn't focus on the numbers. I believe that we're going to have some trouble fitting people in here soon. I really do. I really do think we're going to have that. But it's not about my... My focus is not about saying how many people we've got in our church. 
I want us to just go and love people. If we have to deal with this issue, then let's face it when it comes. But we're going to try in every way to put the infrastructure in to deal with it. The Lord added to their number was, for me, was a key indicator of their success. It was a gauge. It was a measure. It was something in business. We talk about measurables and values and, and, and gauges for success. I don't know if you've ever done this, but when I've been on training courses with work before and I've gone on these software training courses, the one thing I can't stand is afterwards they always send an email and I have to fill in a questionnaire. About, what did I learn on the day? What did I achieve? Is it going to really affect me in the next year? They want to know if they've spent lots of money sending you on a course, what's the measurables? What's the gauge? Is there worth in this? Is there a reason for spending lots of money sending you on a course? They need to know. And for this, we see right at the end of that, the Lord added to their number. It's a gauge that we should always be asking the question, are we seeing people come in? Are we seeing the lost being saved? And if you're not part of Tuesday nights and going out on evangelism, you may not know some of the answers to these questions. Because we have a lot of conversations between us as a church of, wow, this person came in and it's great. And people just appear on Sunday, you might have no idea who they are. But some people have been coming into this building and this place due to the fact, I believe, we've been sharing our faith. A family even got saved on the, on the day after um, my uh, induction service. A family came in here and were in tears and asked to be saved. The, the, one of the guys, the head of the family, asked to be saved right in our cafe downstairs, not in the meeting, in tears. And the result of that family coming to the church was one simple thing. It was because one of the guys had been on the streets and met him probably about one or two months prior to him even walking in the building. That was the gauge. We saw this is the result, what happens when we share. And we should be asking ourselves that all the time. We're blessed with this great building. I've been here for 11 years now and had this vision of the church with Peter to see the floor go in and to see everything we're seeing. We talked about it for many times in trustees meetings. Always vision and pictures of seeing the lift and everything that you might see today is normal and normal to you. But it was a vision in our hearts then to see this come to pass. And we have all of this now. Great building, great facility, the potential in the building. But the key is this, that the future of this church now rests on you. It, as we watched in the video, it's our time now. It's not the church building's time to attract people by how nice the pictures are and how nice the visuals and everything that we do. It's you. You are, it rides on the destiny of how you operate. How we operate. How we see because we are the living stones. We are the church. We are the body. So it's up to us to do that. So what characterizes King's Church? What characterizes us, if you don't know what we are as a church, number one is I believe we're a spirit-filled church. A spirit-filled church. I believe here that we, we believe that you have to be born again of the Spirit of God. Excuse for those today who are saying, oh, well, I already know this. I know the things that you're saying. Some people don't understand the model sometimes of what we are about. We believe that you have to be born again Spirit-filled, and we like to see this church exercising passionate worship to God. An expression of our faith in freedom. Filled with the Spirit of God. We believe that every believer should be filled with the Spirit of God. Some of these things that we can see in church today, you might say, I see people speak in other tongues and in other languages. This is because we believe, just as I mentioned earlier in the book of Acts, it says... We read in Acts 2, the description of the church in, 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 in Acts as well, it talks about the uh, Holy Spirit being poured out. People speaking other languages. We believe that people should be filled with the Spirit of God, on fire for God. I believe that we should all be passionate with a consuming fire that rages inside our hearts to reach the lost. You will never want to reach the lost if you haven't got the Spirit of God in you on fire. The one reason is, is because Jesus gives you compassion. He gives you compassion for the lost. There's a lot of things you wouldn't have if it wasn't for Jesus. His characteristics, his passion for people, his passion for the ones who have failed, the ones who uh, are like the Zacchaeus, as we say, they're, they're the down and outs, we don't want to talk to them. He will give you passion to speak to them. 
He will give you compassion for the needy, for the poor, and for the broken hearted. I believe we need to be filled with his fire. I believe we need to be seekers of God through prayer as well. Spirit-led prayer. On Tuesday nights when we're running the meetings here, already the meetings are getting bigger and there's more going off here. And I want to encourage that we, I don't see um, the picture of the Tuesday night meetings ahead being small little meetings. I believe they should be as passionate and people jumping in the river as when everyone comes on Sunday. Desiring for God through prayer, praying for our city. If this is your church, then this is your city as well. It represents a demographic. We have a demographic around us that we are responsible for. Ezekiel was responsible for the people he spoke to. You are responsible today for your city and your demographic. You might say, well, I live out of town. This is not my city. If you choose to be in the church, I believe where you are, it's your city, it's your surroundings, the people. You should have compassion. Compassion comes from being filled with His Spirit. We should be operational as a Spirit-filled church in the Spirit-filled gifts. I want to encourage every believer here to see that they can be filled with gifts from the Spirit. That you can operate in gifts of healing. That it's not for individuals, men and, uh, and women to just be the key holders to these gifts. No. Not at all. It's for every individual, even the youth here. I want to have a, I want to see in the future that this place is full. The youth are actually teaching us one thing or two about being prophetic, about stepping out for God and not caring. No inhibitions, going for it. I, I was look, a friend of mine has just gone out to the big church in California and, um, in, in the, in Bill Hybel's church. Bill Johnson's church, sorry. And one of his brothers has just gone to meet out with him and just gone to share and see some of the things that's happening there. And I see a post in the other day and it says this, that he's just arrived and he cannot believe there's 1,200 students on this course in this church to be passionate about God and to go out on the streets. And he says he couldn't believe when he got there how daring and how people will do anything for God. And this is youth. And I thought, wow. That's that's how we should be, spirit-filled, not caring, not worrying. And he says this, that they had no fear of man at all. That's what we should be. Fear of man, you can get rid of fear of man when you're filled with his spirit. How do you think David slayed Goliath? Not by his own means, not by his own power, but by his spirit, the Father. We should be spirit-filled. Acts 2, verse 43, in the description of the church, says everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders Performed by the apostles. We should be a church when we're spirit filled in awe of what's going on. Are you in awe today? Are you really in awe of what God's doing? Some of the stories I keep hearing, I'm in awe of them. I believe also we should be a fellowship church. A church that has a characteristic. And we already are. A church that believes in doing life and faith together. That sometimes when it's not just about preaching, teaching and worship, it's about life. It should be that when you come here, it's not just attending. We do life and faith together. So we fellowship, we do these things together. People sometimes need to feel, before they'll believe, they need to feel that they belong somewhere. Some people need to get across the barren. They need to feel that they belong somewhere before they'll believe. And to do that, we need to be a church that fellowships. And I believe we do some of these things. But we characterize ourselves as a church of fellowship. A place where you can socially interact with people. And you're not just taught or it's not just preaching. It's not just worship. It's a place where you can socially interact. I also believe that we're a community church. We're not only a church that fellowships and sees doing life and faith together, but we're a church that is a community church that sees things outside of these four walls. It goes above and beyond. A church that operates to serve its community. We're already seeing some of these things that we do now, and I'm going to be touching on some of these things in a second. And I also want this in our church. I believe we may not have got it fully yet, but... I want us to have a respected voice in our community as well. Where people notice us as a church, government bodies, councils, know us as a church that's not just in it for ourselves. 
but a church that represents, that they can trust and they can come to and they can share things with us. They can come and say, do you know, the police are struggling with these kind of things. Would you as a church pray? Because we know that when you pray, things happen. And the church becomes influential on the government bodies and councils. One of the things that we wanted to do in the church here is when we did this building is not just have great meetings up here, but have what we call Sunday Monday church. Effectively, through the week, things are operative. And many of you might not know when through the week, but we do run things through the week here with the community. We get involved. We're not getting involved enough. We need to do more, but it's all about that the workers are few. We need more work, more helpers. We need people to operate in these areas. But I believe we need to be, I want us to be respected and have a, and have a strong voice. Not a church who is, oh, where's, where's King's Church? Down Tennessee Road. Is it, oh, it's among those houses. Oh, I think I've seen it when I drove past. Yeah. No. I want us to be recognized. People saying, not because of how big the building is and how prominent it is in this city. Not because of how tall it is. Oh yeah, I know that church. That's the big one. No. I want us to be known because people say that's the place where when they pray, things happen. That's the place where they help people. Our church will never be recognized. It can't be recognized by how big and tall the steeple is. But let me tell you, you are the church. And it's far more important to get that right than the building. And finally, what characterizes our church is I believe we should be and we are a mission church. That not only serving the community that's an immediate demographic around us, but a mission church that looks further and beyond. And that's two things. It's about a mission church that goes and is prepared to go out of these four walls and spread the message what we're supposed to do. But also working abroad, doing things. It doesn't matter whether you can't, if you can't preach on the streets, if you can't do certain things, you might be able to go and support something abroad. You might be able to do things where we take as a representative of our church, you go ab- Somewhere else, to another country maybe. But we need to be a church that looks outside of its four walls as well. Past its community sometimes. And ask people going to represent it. I'd love to see a day when people can go and do that. Represent and go. And to maybe to another country and just doing something for kings. And we've done things in the past but it's exciting to know that we can do more. These are the characteristics of our church. If you didn't know them. So now we have the building. Now we have a, uh, we have these characteristics. We know ourselves as a church. Now we know the flavor. Let me tell you, there are many churches in this city, fantastic churches. You say, oh, why is your, ch- is your church better than theirs? No. There are many churches in this city you could go today that are fantastic churches. But just like anything else, there's, you can have a packet of crisps and it can have lots, come in lots of different flavors. And there are different flavors and we believe some of the characteristics we have are a different flavor. And I encourage you, if it's not for you, then you should find somewhere. I always say this, someone says, well, where, I don't know where to, to go. I say, you should go where you're going to be rooted and fruitful for the kingdom of God. It's not, that's the most important thing that you should focus on. Am I fruitful? Am I seeing people being added daily? How can I personalize this to me and affect this vision? If it's not for you, then find a church that is, that you can see the fruit. So just moving ahead. You know the characteristics. I want to look at now what are our objectives? What are our visionary objectives for the future? And I've put these into four things, what I'm calling the four core visionary objectives. And that is to seek, number one, to seek, number two, to school, number three, to serve, and number four, to support. These are the core, the four core visionary objectives that I see that we should focus on. If things don't fall into these things, then it's not right for us. They should adhere to these objectives. We know who we are as a character. We know who we stand for. The things that we adhere to. But these are our visionary objectives. So first of all, number one, we need to seek. Seek. We aim to seek the lost and deliver the gospel. I've just said it. 
as a church and a mission church, not only in this city, but above and beyond. We read it early in Acts 2, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I believe our primary objective is to seek and save the lost. If you think it's different to that, if you think it's, no, it's getting together, having nice meals, yes, these things are good, but the primary objective is to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus' passion was all about. For Peter, this went, it expanded his view outside beyond the four walls and to not just spread the message to the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So some of the things I believe we're doing now as a church, we've been doing since last September. I started the evangelism course. I mentioned it earlier on with the school of evangelism. One of the things that we're doing as a church is evangelizing on the streets. We're going out onto the streets. It's something we've not done so much in the past before. It's a big challenge on us all. But what I want to see is this. In this next year, I want to see us at least doing, at least doing this once a month. Once a month going out onto the streets. This is not just something for me as a passing fad. We've tried it. We've got to keep going as tough as it gets. We've got to keep going out. Sharing our faith. I'm going to title this, this thing Kings on the Streets. Kings on the Streets. The church on the streets. And I want us to run at least, if we can, one a month where the church on a corporate basis meets together and we've been doing it. And there is people downstairs who have been joining the intercessory prayer and I always thank God for them because without them, some of the things we see on evenings I don't think would happen. I think that God really honors what has been prayed out of this building. And so if you're saying, I don't want to be, I don't know if I can be part of that, I can't evangelize, I can't do anything, you can. You can come and pray. You can pray silently. You can just sit and kneel and pray for us. You, any single person in this room, can personalize that to you. What I want to do is here is I want to put Rob Merchant. Everyone knows Rob. Rob comes and testifies a lot of things that's happened in the street. Me and Rob have been getting very close on I'm just constantly hearing stories of him witnessing on the street. If you said to Rob, we want to go out a minimum of once a month, he'd be very frustrated. He would be very frustrated. Because he has compassion for the lost. Because of the fire of God inside of him. So I wanted to, I, I selected Rob and I spoke to Rob about being a representative of our evangelism kings on the streets. What does that mean? That means that still I'll be running the corporate ones each month. But what I want to do is I want to ask Rob to be a representative so that if anyone at any time wants to talk about going out in between them corporate sessions, they can speak to Rob and Rob can organize maybe on some evenings to be going out individually. But I wanted someone who has a passion for this to be representing it. So if you say, for example, next week I want to, I'd love to go out, but it's not for another three weeks till they go out again. You can do it. You can say, say to Rob, you can say, Rob, are you going out soon? Yeah, we're going out next week. Come and join us. In fact, we'll go out tomorrow. If you want to come out, I'll come out with you. And it gives an opportunity for this to be something that is workable. It's not a fixed thing. And Rob has agreed to that, and Rob is passionate about that. So I want to encourage you from today, if you want to get involved, to speak to Rob. But you'll hear us corporately announce the other ones. And... Even Rob, the other night, we were just down here on a, on a worship practice on a Thursday night. Rob shows up just to pray with us at the end. He comes all the way in from Newmarket and he says to me, I just want to pray with you at the end of that worship practice at quarter to ten at night. He says, I want to get out there on them streets. I want to get out there and speak to people. And him and Steve, and I don't say this to big them up, but they're passionate. I couldn't go that time. I had to go. But they were passionate. And this gives the model and flexibility for it to happen in between. And they saw some wonderful things that evening that I know of. The other things that we are already doing is looking. I've met up with the, many of you may not have heard of this, but the Hope 08 initiative that happened in 2008. The Hope initiative is to bring churches together and to do things together. I've already met up with one of the representatives of Hope. <clears throat> and one of the things that they do is they've been talking to me about how to evangelize in the city and how to do things in the city uh, together. 
So one of the things that I've been doing is, is chatting to them, of looking, identifying some ways that we can maybe send our evangelism team to be part of things. And that actually is nothing about our church. It's feeding the Hope Initiative. So it's, again, thinking about the sowing and reaping, not worrying about whether you're doing it for your own church. I don't know if many of you know this, but even just last week, in this room, there were four, I think, three or four people just so happened to be in from the Youth With A Mission, from YWAM it's called. They're representatives in Cambridge. They just happened to come in here. They were so uh, encouraged by being in the service and so encouraged about hearing some of the stories we're doing evangelizing, they took all of our literature and our cards and said, when we evangelize, we want to tell people to come here. See, that's what happens when you don't worry about yourselves and you just do the job. God builds his church. Amen? So we want to be people who seek people. The Spanish group, I believe, that we're running now. This has only just happened. You might say, oh, I keep hearing about this Spanish group. The Spanish group has been in, in these guys' hearts, Stephen Lilly, for a long time. They've been running this Spanish group in their home. Every Monday evening for years, I believe. Is that right? Six years. And we have just took, took this and with them and they're supporting it, bringing it into the church as part of the church, as operation on Monday evenings. And I, I, I told you I came the other week, it's a fantastic outreach. It's not just something where these guys are teaching each week and giving their hearts, but people, the Spanish community, there's an avenue in for the Spanish community to be reached. This is where we're seeking not only just the people of our demographic, but they're reaching another area that we've never been able to reach before. Number two is to school people, to school people. We aim to teach people here to find their own destiny in Christ. We read earlier in Acts 2.42, a description of the church, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There were certain traditions they did to. We do that. But they devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. I believe as a church to school people is important. One thing we've already realized in a very short space of time, that as we've gone out and we started to speak to people and to seek the lost, we've already started to see that people need to be taught. People need to be taught the basic elementary truths of the faith. You can't just give people meat if they need milk. Some people need meat who've had the milk. And I believe that we need to continue and even increase the amount of things that are operative here to teach people in some of these areas. And I believe that doing that, schooling people, One of the things that we've already put into place is Christianity Explored. Christianity Explored has run once or twice before in the past year. My view and my vision is that Christianity Explored, when it finishes this next course, that there'll be another one running straight after it. That there'll be a constant thing. If we can do that, it's all about people helping to do this, to run it. But to keep these running so that 2014, I preached earlier last year on pushing out the boat... You can you can fish for as many fish as you want. You can say, I want lots of fish to come in. But you have to have good boats to contain it, good nets to contain them. So one of the key things we need to do, and key nets and strong nets for us, is to is to put these infrastructures in place. It's to say, yeah, we want Christianity explored. We want to be able to teach people these truths. I believe that schooling people as well, Also, just even now, next week, the school of ministry. We can evangelize, but we also need to teach and help people how to evangelize. And I want to run these things on teaching people how to do and communicate with people. So it helps people, young ones who want to come through from the youth, who want to know, how do I imitate the faith of you? It seems so far from me. How do I do it? And we can school people in some of these areas. I believe we also need to focus Always maintain, and this church has, it never has deviated from it, but focusing on the Word of God. We love the gifts of the Spirit. We love all of the things that we see when we see people healed and we hear amazing stories. But we should never wander away from His Word. We love the prophetic. I, I, I am so passionate about seeing us as a prophetic church, hearing God's voice for here and now. But we should never deviate from His Word. 
And then other things that I want to see us doing this year, not only running the Christianity Explored to school people and other areas of things like the school evangelism. And can I just say as well, what's a great thing, that's one thing I wanted to see, that already the school evangelism course will be running on the same evening as the Spanish. And I want to see this church being multi-room in operation. So you come in, what's going to happen that night is that people are going to come in and they're going to go and join for coffee to start in the cafe. And then they'll go in their separate rooms. And you'll go as Christianity Explorer, we'll go into room one. And the Spanish group will maintain in the cafe. But what we're seeing that night is we're running two things parallel. And that's what this church should be about. We have the building. We need to function these things to see the people come through and be taught. Another thing I want to do is not only teaching in uh, the school of ministry and evangelism. But another thing I want to do is make sure that people are not only taught each Sunday, but taught in the gifts as well. Taught in the other gifts, Ephesians 4 giftings. I'm already working and trying to line up, even for this July, from someone to come, uh, he's been before, but uh, the worship leader from Kensington Temple, who used to be the worship leader from Kensington Temple, who operates in the prophetic. I want to run a prophetic workshop type conference. Sorry for using workshop, you won't have to do anything, promise. But running something where we can teach people about the prophetic, not only to be ministered to, but teach people to, to run in some of these gifts, gifts of healing. How do we pray for the sick? How do we do some of the Ephesians 4 giftings? And that's what I want to be doing this year. So already I'm looking at a conference weekend for us, for the prophetic. And there'll be other things as well. Number three, I believe we should be a church that serves. We aim to serve Christ. Serve Christ by serving our people and our communities as well. We read earlier in Acts 2, verse 46 to 47, it said, Every day they continued, this is the description of the church again, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and also ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Did you catch that? Enjoying the favor of all people, not God. We all love the favor of God when we come into the services. He says they were enjoying, as a body, as a church, the favor of people, all the people there. You see, the people learned to serve each other. They were enjoying the favor of each one. And we should not just look to receiving the favor of God. But when we serve Christ, we serve each other. When we serve each other, we serve Christ. In Matthew 25, when Jesus talks about in a parable about the end times, when he will come back and he will judge all people, he says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. In other words, he was saying in this parable, people will be saying, I, uh, I, I did this, I did that, but it wasn't for you. He's saying, you did it for me. When you serve people, when you serve the vision, when you serve the body, when you serve the community, when you serve people, when people receive your favor, when you serve them, you are really serving me. You're really fundamentally serving me. And we need to see with our eyes today we need to see that when we do these things, if we're going to serve in, in different areas, we're serving Christ. So what are we doing? What things are we going to continue to do to serve? How can we serve? How can you personalize this to you? Some of the things we're doing now, if you're not already aware of, the church does to serve people uh, that Mel and Aidan already go out and they're representatives of our street pastors. They've been doing it for years. Aidan goes out on the streets all the way through the night on Saturday nights. And it's rotated and he goes out into the streets of Cambridge. And as people come out of the clubs and the pubs drinking and they're drunk, Aidan will be one of those street pastors who goes and helps people. And Mel also has been part of, she used to be part of the street pastors, but due to commitments and with the children, she now does a thing called nightlight. And that's something where they pray when people go out. Is that correct? They, pray, is it, they have a prayer group, don't they? But the nightlight, they bring them into there, don't they? They bring them into the center, which is opposite. They're coming for coffee. So she's running this nightlight, which is allowing people, when they're bringing people in from the streets, 
these guys have been able to pray. Mel will pray with some of these guys who are struggling and they may be drunk and they bring them in. But these guys are running this. Some, some mornings you might not see them on Sunday morning, not because they're not around, it's because they're absolutely shattered. And they're doing this operation and they're doing it on behalf of us and going out as representing for our church, which I think is amazing. And I commend them for doing it. But there's also an opportunity. You might say, well, is this personalized to me? Can I be a street pastor? Can I do this? It's not necessarily King's Church, but we are feeding. We're serving the community. We're serving people outside of these four walls. Can I be a street pastor? If you're interested in that, come and chat to us or come and chat to Mel and Aidan. Some of the things you've seen us already doing now, we're putting in the diary because we believe time goes away quickly. We want to do breakfast through the year. We're planning in ahead. And you say, well, that's just a breakfast. No, we want to serve each other. We want to enjoy, the ladies want to enjoy the favor of each other. Serving each other in those breakfasts, fellowshipping together, fulfilling the characteristics of fellowship. So men and women, we want to be doing these so that we can get together and learn how to serve each other. Learn how that when we all operate together, we can operate the body. Possible things I've put down here is I'd like to see us doing, if possible, is welcome meals. When people come in, if we've got new people coming in, not only do we teach them in Christianity Explored, but we might have a certain nights through the year, and this again is down to people helping to do a welcome evening meal where they can come in and we can have a meal together and welcome them into the church. Maybe again, this is, you might need to come to me and say, I want to be part of that. That's how I could personalize it. The key to it is personalizing these things. And the key to it is this, is taking ownership sometimes. I have many people who come with lots of suggestions, lots of suggestions of how we could do this, how we could do that, and lots of things to say, why aren't we doing this? And I say, if you take ownership of it, it will happen. If you're passionate about it, take ownership over it, and you'll see it happen. So some people may need to take it one step further and not just see it as a suggestion, but actually they're willing to take ownership. Of something they seem to be passionate about. That's going to require people. Coffee mornings I've put down. I want to see us running things through the week. Where we have a coffee morning. Where people come in and the the coffee shops open downstairs. For maybe an hour or two to start off with. People coming in and using it in the week. Again it it may need volunteers to come in and say. I can run that to see how this works. And to see someone having coffee. And putting a sign outside. And seeing who we can reach in the community. Again. It needs volunteers. If you're interested in some of these things, come and chat to me. Another thing we want to see again, if we can, is a toddler group where the mothers can come in again. That used to run in the church here, but it it takes a lot of work. So, you you know, don't just come saying, I want to see toddler groups. If, If you can volunteer and give yourself into this area, personalize it to you, feed this area the vision, you will see mothers coming in here who we've never seen before in this community. And we can reach them. Number four is to support. We aim to support those in need. The serving people, serving the community. But number four is I believe we need to be a church that supports people. We read earlier in Acts 2.45. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were a church that not only served and fellowshiped. But they wanted to sell their things, give away things they had to help people in need. There are people in need that we need to reach. I don't know if many of you are aware, but every Wednesday morning at 10.30, I, as since I've started this role, run the mental health group downstairs. And I have about 10 people, sometimes 10 maximum, of people who are mentally ill coming in. And all they want to do is sit here for one hour and talk. Some, when I go in on Wednesdays to do this, on Tuesday nights we've been passionate in worship, seen amazing things happen, God doing stuff, and then the next day, it's a completely different thing. It requires another piece of me in another type of area to minister to these people. Because do you know what? They don't just want a prayer. They don't want some worship. Do you know what they want? Just someone to listen. Someone to just talk the most basic things to. There's one guy who comes and he comes every single week 
for about nine miles, drives in in a taxi and the taxi waits for him and then he leaves and he barely says, if anything, one word through the whole hour. But do you know what? It's his highlight of the week. And I sit with these people and we have such fun, we have a laugh and sometimes the it's challenging, it's a challenging thing. This is for the NHS. But we do this on a free, we don't... They don't pay to hire the place. They just come in and we do this as a service. We give them the center and then we give ourselves. And this is just a flavor of some of the things you're saying. Well, how do we do this? Do we support people? Yes, we're supporting these. But we can do other things. There are other areas, other avenues that we can do. You've just heard it earlier. that We're now arranging that our next cap money course starts next week to help people who are in debt. To help people who need help and advice in money. To manage money. And Lee will be running that, and we're already going to be running another, there'll be five in total to the end of this year, already scheduled in. And that's to help people in the city, again, free money management advice. If you said, well, what's that really helping or supporting anyone? Do you know, sometimes if you haven't got the money to give people, your time is more valuable than your money. And what we're seeing is that to support people, to support individuals, like this, can help people. As many times I've heard on through CAP, people who have wanted to take their own lives because of stress of debt. It's so important that we reach these people. We can support them. And you might want to say, I want to help to support Lee in running these CAP things. I want to help and, and help him assist and to advise and help people. If you've got if you think you're good with money and you think I could do this and I could help support it, or even if it's make teas and coffees and be there just to talk with people, you can personalize it to you. Other things, just quick to mention, is fit for a king. You may have heard of this before. I don't know if is Bev here today. I don't think Bev's here, but Beverly McPherson is someone who in the past has run our what we call fit for a king. Now, fit for a king to me has had... Too little a voice in this church to what it should have. And I want to help Bev in this next year to raise the voice for Fit for a King. What does that mean? Fit for a King is to, is to serve this very part of this objective. To, to, to support people. Fit for a King is effectively going into people's houses who cannot, they need help and they have got no other ways of doing it. It may be decorating someone's house, doing their garden because they can't do it. And what, what Beverly has done, she has been serving this area specifically on, a, on an individual and working in a certain individual and giving a lot of time to someone, which has been absolutely fantastic. But what I've spoke to Bev about is actually now is, is starting to open it up so that when we have people come in, we have an avenue that if someone comes in who are in our church who's saying, I need help, we can say, speak to Bev. She'll round up the team and the team would be whoever is willing, whoever wants to help, really wants to help and be ready for when Bev says on the so-and-so of April, we're going to go and do their garden and you support that and personalize it to you. And I want to really raise that profile for Bev and help her to do that. One of the other things is, so we're not just focusing on one individual, it's actually about lots of people. And another thing where we can do that, not just in the church of people here, but another way we can do that is there's a program, you've heard it before mentioned here, called Beesum. And Beesum, another um, organization in Cambridge, who they help people to do these very things. So if we can't find people in the church here, we can s- f- tell Beesum to contact us and Bev can serve Beesum. Again, sowing and reaping principle into other organizations. And finally, just to mention, not only supporting uh, things local here and local within the church and helping one another in the church so that people receive the favor of each other. But finally, is the World Christian Ministries and WOW support, the things we've been doing for charity. We've been serving last year, thanks to the ladies, they did the WOW walk, which was amazing. And we want to continue to work with these charities to support them and to do things and to see supporting people beyond the four walls. So how can you fit in? How can you be part of this? How can you give yourself? I can't force you to do anything. I can't force you to be part of a vision, but I can tell you what my vision is. You heard it earlier on that video. It's our time now. 
And I don't just say that in some kind of fancy way of, oh yeah, it's our time. I believe that we're all here for such a time as this. I believe that my position here and the calling that's been upon my life to do what I'm doing is not just so that I can have fun running church. It's for a purpose. It's for God's ultimate purpose. And I'm serious about it. I'm serious about what God wants us to do in this city. And I don't care how big the physical building is, this church will be a big church, not because of its physical size, because of its heart. It's our time. It's our time to go and do something. And if you want to be part of this vision and come and see me and say, do you know what? I've had time to think about it. Just like the the friends of Peter had a bit of time and then they come around when they saw the Holy Spirit was blessing it. Not that Peter just had some wise words. But when you've had time, you said, do you know what? I've thought about it and I've thought, how can I feed it? Come and chat to us and let's work together. Finally, I just want to finish with this. Isaiah 54 says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your sticks. We stretched our tent, our building. We've done everything we can with this building physically. Now it's time to stretch ourselves. Now it's time to strengthen our sticks and to stretch ourselves to see God do the amazing things through us. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.